0: Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And with us today, we have... (laughs) Jeff. Jeff. Uh, And with us today, we have uh, Dustin Dimitriou, uh, who is the STSM for Sustainability and Data Center Innovation Advanced Thermal Energy Efficiency Lab.
1: Well, now we're at the bottom of the hour, so uh, that that's all our time. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming. Up a, a, a man with a title that long must have a, a lot of really interesting things to say. Um, so let, <laughs> let me, if I don't, if you don't mind me stepping on your line, Frank. What do you do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um. Yeah. So long. Long, long title. Uh. But. Really, what I focus on is is working a lot with our clients, and, and particularly how our, our clients are, you know, leveraging our, our technology within their in their data centers. Um, my background is uh, I'm a mechanical engineer. I got started in IBM by. Uh, working on on data center design and energy efficiency and it's kind of evolved over time to where you know the data center is something that's you know critical to our clients business and and operating them efficiently you know is is one of the things that our our clients are very interested in in today given a lot of that's going on and sustainability and so that's that's sort of my role i work with our clients focusing on how our technology integrates into their data centers and can support them in their sustainability journey. So.
0: Cool. So, uh, you know, right out of the gate to me, it's really important to, to, to understand when you guys say sustainability, is that, is that, uh, just about power consumption or is that a larger picture?
2: Yeah, really, really great question. And yeah, so, I I mean, I guess if you go by the definition of sustainability, right? So, I mean, the UN has their sustainable development goals. And, you know, it it includes, you know, everything from, you know, access to education and and water and, you know, fighting poverty. And and so there are are a lot of dimensions to the the broad topic of sustainability. Um, When I think about it in the context of what I do in you know in my day job and what I do with IBM Z is really mostly in the context of the environmental dimensions and in particular energy is an important part of that. But it's it's more than just the energy, right? It's it's how are our clients able to, you know, think about the use of the technology and then ultimately, you know, the whole life cycle of the products that they're they're purchasing from us. So, you know, we can we could talk about some of the things we, we do from a product development perspective, but it's it's you know how at the end of life, you know, IBM can take back products, recycle them, uh, reuse parts. Um, and so it's really this whole, what the industry is referring to as the circular economy uh, as far as, you know, you're not just buying a product and throwing it out a week later, right? It's it's really about how do we you know extend the life of things and use them efficiently. So,
0: so is IBM doing a lot in that space then? I, I know that we've been focused on power, but, um, but are we doing a lot uh, on those on those other fronts?
2: Yeah. So um, IBM at the, the, you know, the IBM Corporation level, um, you know, may, many of you may have seen that uh, earlier this year, uh, IBM committed to reaching net zero greenhouse gas emissions by uh, 2030. All right, so you know, we see many you know major companies also committing to similar kind of net zero, zero, zero targets, and, and and those are important for a number of reasons. Um, one of the ways we will ultimately achieve that goal is through reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. So that's really energy efficiency, um, but. The other part is around how we think about procuring electricity. So so we have goals around, you know, supplying 75% of the electricity we consume by renewable sources by 2025 and um, 90% by 2030. And that has a direct impact on our products, right? Because obviously we manufacture the products, so, you know, we're using that renewable energy to actually build and manufacture and test products before they leave IBM and make it to their customer's data center. And then at the end of life, we have a number of programs. So, so we have a, a, a group um, within uh, IBM known as uh, Global Asset Recovery Services or GARS. Um, and GARS is really responsible for, you know, at the, you know when, when customer one is done with the piece of hardware, they have opportunities to return that to IBM, and you know IBM can then you know through this GARS uh, program uh, make second use of that product. We can refurbish it, resell it, um, and if it's not able to be reused in one of those fashions, we have really um, you know sophisticated ways of actually recycling the products to make sure that at the end of life we're not just throwing things in the landfill. Um, In in fact, I don't remember the number offhand, but, you know, it's something like 90 plus 96% or something like that of the, um, you know, hardware that was brought back to to IBM in 2020 was recycled and, and, you know, only, you know, one or 2% was actually sent to the landfill. So. We do have a really holistic program around everything from how we design the products, making sure we're using renewable materials as much as we can, thinking about how we can make the product easier to be disassembled. Um, you know, we think about how our client uses the product and, and what it means from an energy efficiency perspective. And then, you know, really the whole end of life and, and what happens to that product, you know, when it's no longer being used by, you know, by a client. So
0: so do you see us uh, providing uh, that kind of, of information to or, or capability, I should say, to the clients uh, that, hey, if you use these systems, um, this is how it can affect your uh, carbon footprint?
2: Yes. So we've done a lot. And and I'll I'll say our, our clients are, are really smart <laughs> and <laughs> um you know and, and in many cases uh, you know our clients are you know really interested in understanding right you know what is the energy footprint I'll start with energy, but you know what is the energy footprint of my my environment and um you know we have uh capabilities um on Z that will allow them to to do those measurements so we have a, a set of web service APIs that are accessible through the HMC um, that will allow customers to get information on, on power consumption and, and utilization. And this is you know, one way that they can monitor what's going on with their system. And, and many of them do do that, right? They wanna show that the workloads that are running there, they're, they're able to run there um, uh, efficiently. So if, if you look at the, the carbon footprint of, a piece of IT equipment, whether it's an IBM Z or or anything else, um, the the energy use, is, you know, rough, uh, you know, is about ninety percent of the total carbon footprint, and it's because you know, as everyone knows, I mean, servers consume a lot of energy. They have generally long lives. They run twenty four seven. So, so the energy part of it is really important, and it, it's why we focus on energy efficiency so much. Um, no, that's not to say the other things aren't aren't important and we're certainly doing things to like I, like I was saying you know use more renewable energy in manufacturing um, and and more and more you know customers are, are beginning to ask about the carbon footprint for um, the uh, you know the other aspects and that, that's something you know we, we are developing capabilities to actually enable them to, to understand and, and ultimately be able to use in, you know, however they want to figure out how Z can best support them from a sustainability perspective.
1: How, how would you say that the, the, your average data center has changed over the past, I don't know, five, five to 10 years to, to keep up with sustainability and, you know, kind of the concerns and demands uh, of our customers.
2: Yeah. Um, uh well the data data centers have changed uh, quite a bit. Um, probably one of the the key ways is we we're, we're starting to see and, and this is a general trend in the industry you know is the, the use of more co-location data centers. so um, you know in the past right every business sort of owned and operated their own data centers right and um, there's obviously benefits to that because you're in complete control. Uh, of that facility and you know you can understand exactly its availability and uptime but at at the same time it's very costly to to a build a data center and and operate a data center and what what many businesses are you know are, are coming to is that you know, running a data center is not their core competency, right? And, you know, if they were going to invest resources into something, you know, maybe it makes more sense to go and invest them in, you know, building the next new app or or whatever, right? And um, so we've seen this trend to using co-location where, um, you you know, you're basically, you know, bringing your equipment into a data center that's run and operated and maintained by a, a third party. And so that's kind of changed our many of our customers business models from you know one that was very capital intensive to now in these colocation sites you're basically paying for you know every kilowatt of power uh, kilowatt hour, hour of power that you use so it went from a capex to a, an operational cost um, sort of business model and 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 that's one of the major trends that's you know brought energy efficiency back to the to the forefront is because now if now if you get a bill every month you know and you know you're paying for for the electricity and, and you see that you're going to be much more likely to, to try to want to go and do things much more efficiently so that's been one of the biggest trends that we've seen with our clients and, and just in general in the industry
0: so you mentioned earlier that you can get off the hmc kind of an uh, an understanding of your consumption is is that a kind of a raw power number, or is that um, does it take into account um, what workload is, or or how heavy the machine is running? Is it is it cognizant of uh, the the transactions per watt kind of thing, or is it just kind of a raw power number?
2: Yeah. So so today it's it's a raw power number. Um, yeah. Well, going into too much detail. I mean, we are looking, right? You know, you brought up a good point, right? What what clients want to really understand is what's the power consumption for this specific application or or whatever um, I'm running on there, not necessarily just the overall system power. So, so today, you know, they're able to use HMC through both. You know, there's a series of of, of dashboards and UIs that will allow them to, to visualize. I'll say the system level information, power consumption. Um, they they can get the power coming into every single line cord in the system, as well as other environmental information, temperatures and air flows and things like that. Um, but, you know, we, we are, you know, in the process of thinking about how, how we can help enable them to really understand, you know, what, what's the power consumption associated with just a given partition, for example, that, that may be running or a specific workload or application. So that's really where I think we need to, to be able to get to, but today it's a raw power, kind of number, bulk power number for the system.
0: Yeah, I would think that that is gonna become increasingly important as we start to get to an environment where people share machines. They wanna know, hey, my, my partition is doing this work, you know how much of the system am I using, and how much power am I paying for? So yeah, I could definitely, definitely see that to be
2: important. Yeah, and that's exactly what we hear from from some of the clients that I, that I work with, right? I mean, they're you know you know many of our clients are you know selling services off of Z, right? And their customers want to know, well, what's just the footprint for the piece of your environment that I'm buying some some service off of, right? So yeah, it's going to become more and more important. And, you know, we've been, you know, there's, you know, a lot of work going on, you know, IBM Research has several initiatives, but, um, you know, the industry in general is looking at this topic, right? Because, you know, one of the things that, you know, you need to be able to do is how do we kind of do this consistently, right? If everybody is doing these types of measurements their own way, you know, it's not really that valuable to kind of compare across different platforms. And, you know, and so there's a lot going on generally in the industry on how do we, you know, do this with some standardization or consistency.
0: Are we driving a lot of that standardization or, or I'm, I'm assuming we at least participate, but are, are we kind of at the forefront of this or?
2: Yeah, yeah we, um, we, we were definitely participating from a Z perspective. I think, you know, the, you know, we work closely with our colleagues in IBM research who are, who are doing a lot. So, so IBM research has a, a whole initiative known as the future of, of climate. And you know this is you know this is one part of the future of climate is, is how do we, you know how are we able to understand, you know that you know we we obviously have lots of decisions to make about where we deploy our workloads right on Z or in IBM Cloud or in, in some other cloud or, um, and so part of this future of climate initiative is you know working with the industry to to really do these types of um, analyses so. Um, yeah, I'll say we're, we're certainly participating, and on a lot of the, I'll say the industry work is being driven out of out of research.
1: So, machine. I'm just thinking about workloads. Uh, machine learning and AI and deep learning, they're they're kind of becoming part of enterprise operations today. And we'll we'll leave it at that. But um, you know, ten years ago it would be weird, but today it's not as much to see like a rack full of GPUs doing, you know, AI calculations, which tend to be high volume, simple instructions, you know, to, to calculate some data. That to me kind of sounds like it shapes or shifts the the power demands or characteristics of of a data center. Like how, how do we meet the energy demands of of AI and, and deep learning while while still you know committing to to what we're doing.
2: Um, yeah. So, you, so yeah, you're right. A lot of these, you know, the, the GPU technologies and, and things are are driving, you know, IT rack power densities up, up quite a bit. And um, you know what what's happening in, in the industry is, you know, if anybody's been in a data center, familiar with with a data center, right? You know, today, you know, mo- almost all data centers are air cooled right? So, you know, we have, you know, air conditioning units that are conditioning air and providing conditioned air to the equipment to be used as as cooling. Well, um, air is not a excellent conductor of heat. It's a good conductor of heat, but it's not not great. And, you know, what, what's happening is that air cooling, and particularly for some of these higher density, you know, applications are, are sort of reaching the end of its life. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, just put some numbers on it. Right. So, you know, if you look at a typical rack in, in a data center, you know, it's probably consuming in the order of, you know, five to 10 kilowatts of power. Um, you know, some of these, uh, you know, systems with, with GPUs, uh, you know, even thinking to, you know, the you know the, you know, the IBM uh, systems that were part of the, 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 um, the national lab supercomputers, right? You know, they're they're beginning to push up towards you know fifty kilowatts, um, and and so what what happens is when you get to around twenty, you know, roughly twenty or thirty kilowatts, like your ability to do cooling with air is goes you know goes away, and we're starting to see a lot more use of of liquid cooling. Um, and, you know, that's both uh, water cooling as well as, you know, other types of immersion cooling solutions and things like that. But it's really that we're seeing for those types of things a transition or a need to move from air cooling to, to some sort of liquid cooling just because of the, the higher heat density that, that some of these environments are seeing. And, and that's not, you know, it's not an easy switch for, for many data centers, right, because it can be capital intensive costs a lot of money to do it, right
0: And so Yeah back, uh, back when I was young, um, you know back when the world was black and white, um, uh, when we did bipolar, uh, all of the data centers were, you know had water cooling support. and then we, we switched to CMOS and everybody was ex- excited because, wow, we can use air now and it's a lot cheaper to do a data center. Uh, do you think that that having that drive back to water cooling is going to to push more of that colo kind of model because i just can't afford to to retrofit my my data center back uh, to that kind of thing or or do you think it's uh, it's easier than that <laughs>
2: uh, I, I i don't i don't think it's it's Necessarily easier. <laughs> the, the, a lot of the a lot of the colos have an advantage because they're building new data centers, right? If you look at the the growth of some of these colo businesses, right? You know, they're they're you know, it seems like every day they're they're standing up a new uh, you know, ten or twenty or fifty megawatt facility. <laughs> so 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 they they have an advantage in in that they're building from the ground up and and we're starting to see a lot of them build this in um, you know trying to retrofit some of these things into an existing data center is, is difficult right you know we have high reliability and availability concerns right and you know no, nobody likes kind of doing construction while the thing's operating right so <laughs> I think there's some, definitely some some challenges to, to retrofit um,
0: what are the uh- the things that you're most excited about uh, uh, when it comes to uh, the Z machines in the last two or three generations?
2: Yeah. So um, I'll go back to your, your, your reference you just made Frank about the, you know, the, the uh, bipolar to CMOS and the transition from, you know, the water cooling to air cooling. and, And we've, you know, since that first CMOS system, you know, we've done various types of cooling solutions. But, you know, one of the, the amazing things I, I think about the platform is that we, we and we, there's some great collateral that, that's out there. But, um, you know, if you look at the, the capacity or the, you know, basically the, the system MIPS or performance, everyone to think about it, uh, per kilowatt of power consumption, um, over since the that first CMOS system you know back in 92 or roughly you know up through Z15 um, we've increased that metric of capacity per kilowatt by 93x and and this is you know a really important metric for our for our clients because really it's how much work are they able to do for every kilowatt they they have to have to use and so um with with Z15 you know, we did a lot of things. Um, one of the benefits we have is, uh, you know, we do the design for the entire stack from the processor up, you know, even up through the software stack, right? And we can really think about optimizing the entire system. So in, in Z15, we completely changed the how we do power distribution. We And we introduced this new uh, intelligent power distribution unit. And you know clients upgrading from Z14 to Z15 saw probably on average roughly 20 to 30% power reduction because of some of the things we were able to do you know is, you know more efficient processor chip the introduction of the new you know power distribution also how we kind of are able to optimize our cooling controls and, and things like that so what I love about working on the platform is that we do have complete control over what's going on, and we are able to think holistically about how we design um, design design the system and so um that's kind of you know one thing is is the you know customers that you know had older technology you know when they move to z fifteen they'll they'll see you know significant efficiency advantages, but you know probably the other thing that's you know exciting is Um, You know, if you look at, you know, customers who are able to consolidate uh, applications, be it Linux or something onto the platform, um, the Z platform is really efficient as you start to put more and more stuff on it, right? And, you know, we can consolidate, you know, hundreds of typical x86 cores um, with a very small footprint actually. And I think this is where there's a lot of opportunity of looking at, you know, what can we do to take some of those x86 workloads or new applications, consolidate them onto the platform? Because I do think there is a uh, a advantage from a sustainability perspective. And so that's, you know, one area that I'm really you know excited about is how do we actually, you know, get that moving and, and you know, allow people to take advantages of, of, from sustainability to help their business while, no, you know, getting the work they need done from an application perspective.
0: Yeah, so this is the point where you start to complain about the software guys not not working as quickly as you guys, right? Uh, hey, we made it easier to run stuff there. You've got to
2: do that too, kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, bl- no, blame. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remember a while ago on on our raised floor in in Poughkeepsie, there was um, a gigantic um, machine with like a spinning flywheel in it that that put out DC voltage. And it was supposed to be like, you know, very clean, very efficient or something like that. Actually, I don't really know the purpose of it, except it gave off this vibration that was kind of creepy. Is there are different power sources like not just coming from the electric company, but like. DC power sources and, and different voltages is that does that come into play with a modern data center as far as energy savings and sustainability?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think what you were referring to, Jeff, was the. Uh, I think they have a uh, what's known as like a flywheel on uninterruptible power supply. So, so you know, most data centers have. Uninterruptible power, meaning if they lost the utility for some reason, right? They would have backup power, you know, typically through diesel generators. Um, but you know, a flywheel is just another mechanism to do that. So I think that's what you were uh, were referring to. But um, yeah, how are how clients in these new data centers are are doing power distribution is is one of the ways that they're they're improving. So we're you know here in in the U.S. You know, most things run on 208 volts. Um, we've seen, you know, trends towards starting to use higher voltages, right? And and there's hmm. advantages of, of, of doing that, you know, less copper, more efficient. Um, you brought up DC, you know, DC was one of those things that 10 or 15 years ago, um, everybody thought, you know, the whole data center industry was going to, turn turnover and move from AC power to to DC power, and there there's some merits to it, right? You know, once the power gets into the system, it's distributed by a DC to to everything. But that that sort of never never took off. There's a lot of inertia in Mm -hmm. in the existing AC power distribution. We on Z offered you know DC power for for several generations, Um, but there's certainly a trend. In North America, to move to higher voltages, which are already being used in Europe. Um, And and so that is, you know, a a key consideration for for clients when they're thinking about energy efficiency. And, and, you know, we're able to support them across a range of of power. So in Z15, you know, we support everything from, you know, the 200 volt range to the 380 volt all the way up to the 480 volt. Uh, ac power so we offer them a lot of a flexibility and in, in whatever they want to do in their data center
1: cool and and i'm i'm just kind of curious you started out as a was it electrical engineer or mechanical? mechanical mechanical how did you how did you get from well let's just ask where where did you start and then you know what what landed you in, in what you're doing yeah. right now How'd you get yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. right. What,
2: what, what is a mechanical engineer doing here? Right. <laughs> um, oh, it's it's a good question, actually. And I have to go back to when I was in graduate school. I, um, but you know, my background when I was in when I was in school, uh, you know, I was always super interested in, in efficiency. Uh, I, I started out engineering school as a computer engineer and switched to mechanical, uh, and then. Um, I, I was actually fortunate that during my master's degree, I was able to work on a research project that was um, you know funded by by IBM at Syracuse University, um, where uh, we part of it was building, you know at what at the time was probably maybe still is one of the most energy efficient data centers and 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 I was lucky to be able to work with the who at the time was an IBM fellow, Roger Schmidt. Um, awesome who, guy. Yeah. And so that was a great experience from coming out of school, and then I was you know, fortunate enough that uh, you know Roger was able to to get me to to come to IBM, and I su- you know I supported him and in his mission at the time, which was around you know data center energy efficiency, and that was kind of how I got my my start. I'll say in, in IBM was due do, doing a lot of work on you know helping our clients improve their efficiency, and and, and over time it's kind of evolved to you know, more and more focus on, you know, on our hardware Z, and power and storage and, and how our customers use it and integrate it into their data center. And so that's kind of, kind of the journey. So, I, you know, I started out knowing, you know, nothing <laughs> about <laughs> IT to, you know, really seeing all the things that can be done with it and, and how all these, whether it's electrical or mechanical or computer engineering, right, all come together to kind of make all this stuff work. <laughs> So
0: um, what, what's next? What, what do you see on the horizon? I, obviously, I don't want you to give away any secrets or anything, but, you know, where are things going in your mind?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's obvious that um, sustainability is something that, you know, you know last year, even a, year, a couple of years past, it was kind of a nice to have sort of thing, you know, businesses did it because, you know, they, you know, gave them, you know, good, uh, good PR and, you know, it was the right thing to do for the environment. Um, that, that environment has, has evolved from being nice to have to actually being a board level consideration now. And, um, I'm, I'm very optimistic actually that, um, you know, many businesses today are, are you know taking sustainability very seriously. And I think as we go on in time, it, it's going to change how our customers think about um, deploying IT, you know, they're going to be looking for hardware that is able to be more energy efficient, that they can do uh, more work, work on than, you know, with, with less pieces of equipment. I mean, one of the biggest things in the industry for many years is you have, you know, these distributed environments that have really poor utilization, many servers sitting there not doing anything. And this is where I think from a sustainability perspective, you know, IBM Z and and Linux One, right, we we designed them to run at, you know, 90% utilization, 24, 7, 365. And I think there's really an opportunity for us to to, to leverage all these great characteristics and, and help our clients at the same time meet the targets that they need to meet um, to be sustainable. So, and, and how we do that, how we help them on their journey, how we help them measure it, you know, all of these things I think are opportunities um, for, for us to, to enable our clients to be successful in their, their journey. So that's what I'm, I'm really excited about actually.
0: Great, well, I, I see that we're at the bottom of the hour. Again. uh so i want to uh thanks thank you dustin for coming in and i i would mentioned uh where you work again but we don't have that kind of time <laughs> <laughs>
2: no problem thank
0: you guys uh, old man charlie run us out you've been listening to terminal talk with frank and jeff for questions or comments or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode Direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.